Well, good morning. Welcome to Elgin Baptist Church. Thank you for joining with us in our morning service. I want to begin this morning by reading from the Psalms and Psalm 148. <clears throat> Praise the Lord. Praise the Lord from the heavens. Praise him in the heights above. Praise him, all his angels. Praise him, all his heavenly hosts. Praise him, sun and moon. Praise him, all you shining stars. Praise him, you highest heavens and you waters above the skies. Let them praise the name of the Lord, for he commanded and they were created. He set them in place forever and ever. He gave a decree that will never pass away. Praise the Lord from the earth. You great sea creatures in all ocean depths, lightning and hail, snow and clouds, stormy winds that do his bidding, you mountains and all hills, fruit trees and all cedars, wild animals and all cattle, small creatures and flying birds, kings of the earth and all nations, you princes and all rulers on earth, young men and maidens, old men and children, let them praise the name of the Lord. For his name alone is exalted. His splendour is above the earth and the heavens. He has raised up for his people a horn, the praise of all his saints, of Israel, the people close to his heart. Praise the Lord. The call there in that psalm is that all might praise the Lord. Well, we're going to do that as we sing two songs. The first is all creatures of our God and King, followed by how great thou art. Let us pray. Our God and Father, we come to you in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ. And you, O Lord, are the one who is worthy of all of our praise. You are the great God, and beside thee, there is none other. You're the one who created all things. You're the one who sustains all things. You're the one who gives to us the very breath that we breathe. And our desire this morning would be to use that breath, Lord, to praise you, to lift high the name of the Lord Jesus, the one who loves us, the one who gave himself for us, the one in whom there is redemption, the forgiveness of sins. And Lord, we just commit our time to you this morning. We pray, Lord, that you would meet with us and bless us. We pray that as we sing these songs, we may know what it is to lift our voice in worship and adoration. We pray that as we look at your word, you would give us ears to hear what the Spirit is saying to the church. Lord, we live in difficult times. We continue to pray against the coronavirus. We pray, Father, for its eradication. Uh, we, we see increasingly that the numbers affected by it rising almost on a daily basis, Lord. And, and we just pray uh, for an end to, to it. We pray for those working to that end, for uh, looking for a vaccine. And, and we pray that you would give them wisdom. We pray for governments all around the world as they seek uh, to deal with the impact that it has, not just on health, but on economy as well. And we pray for wisdom there. And Lord, we, we just commit the whole issue to you. And we just come now and we thank you uh, that, that you are a great God. We thank you that you are in control. And we just commit our time to you now. In Jesus' holy and precious name. Amen. 
Well, boys and girls, I trust that you had a good time yesterday morning at JAM. I know that, like all of us, these last six months have been really hard for you. Uh, you've not been able to see many of your friends. Uh, you've not been able to visit family as you would like. Even going back to school has been so different to what it was before. And sometimes when these things happen, we, we, we wonder, what's going on? Who is in control? Well, the Bible reminds us that God is in control of every situation. In the Old Testament, in the book of Isaiah, we read these words. So do not fear, for I am with you. Do not be dismayed, for I am your God. I will strengthen you and help you. I will uphold you with my righteous right hand and in the new testament we read in revelation then he speaking of jesus placed his hand on me and said do not be afraid i am the first and the last so twice in these verses we read about not being afraid and twice in these verses we read about things being in god's hands and our song this morning Reminds us of that. He's got the whole world in his hands. Lord, we thank you that you are in control of every situation. And we admit that sometimes we find things hard, especially just now. So we pray, Lord, that you would help us all to trust you, knowing that you are in control and that you hold us all together. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Amen. Well, we continue our studies in First Thessalonians, and I invite you to turn there to chapter 5, and we'll read the first 11 verses. Now, brothers, about times and dates, we do not need to write to you, for you know very well that the day of the Lord will come like a thief in the night. While people are saying, peace and safety, Destruction will come on them suddenly as labour pains on a pregnant woman and they will not escape. But you, brothers, are not in darkness so that this day should surprise you like a thief. You are all sons of the light and sons of the day. We do not belong to the night or to the darkness. So then, let us not be like others who are asleep, but let us be alert and self-controlled for those who sleep sleep at night and those who get drunk get drunk at night but since we belong to the day let us be self-controlled putting on faith and love as a breastplate and the hope of salvation as a helmet for god did not appoint us to suffer wrath but to receive salvation through our lord jesus christ he died for us so that whether we are awake or asleep we may live together with him. Therefore, encourage one another and build each other up, just as in fact you are doing. So reads God's precious word. We read there in verse 9 that God did not appoint us to suffer wrath, but to receive salvation through our Lord Jesus Christ. Our next hymn reminds us of this great truth. Jesus Pay the all, all to him 
Ion. <clears throat> Lord Jesus, we thank you that you did indeed pay it all. And as we turn now to this passage that speaks of your coming again, we ask that you might speak to us through what we hear. And we ask it in Jesus' name. Amen. Well, last week we saw that Paul was addressing the concern that those young Christians had for those who had died before the expected return of the Lord Jesus. And in the verses we read earlier, he addresses certain issues of those who will still be alive come this great event. And their worries and their concerns are no less a worry and a concern for many today. Concern about those who have died. And, and we saw last week how Paul allayed these concerns regarding the death of a Christian. And here in these verses, he deals with those who are living at the time of Jesus' return. And he tells them how to live in the light of this momentous moment and assuring them of the, their eternal destiny. And it's these three things, friends, that I want us to consider this morning. In the light of the certainty that Jesus is returning, we will see from verses 1 to 3, it will be unexpected. We will then see from verses 4 to 8, how we as believers are to live in the light of this unexpected return. And then in verses 9 to 11, we will see the salvation that it brings. So firstly, it will be unexpected. Paul, no doubt, while teaching these young believers, would have spoken to them concerning the Lord's return. And what he is doing here in writing to them is, as verse 10 of chapter 4 says, supplying what is lacking in your faith. And he uses the phrase, notice, the day of the Lord. It's a phrase that he also uses in 1 Corinthians 5, verse 5. And in Old Testament times, this was described as a day, the day of God's judgment on all who oppose him. And also the deliverance, the salvation of all who trust him. And that is seen clearly if you turn to Amos 5 verses 18 to 20. But we'll also see it here in these verses. And, and the issue was that some of these believers may have been fearing that day of coming judgment. And Paul is seeking to allay any fears they may have regarding their salvation. And he begins by telling them that this day, the day of the Lord, this return of Jesus, as they well know, will come. And he gives to us two illustrations. He, he will come like a thief in the night and as labour pains on a pregnant woman. Paul is not interested, at least here, in times and dates. He has no time for idle speculation. Because the bottom line, friends, is that nobody knows when this great event will take place. And if, as many down through the years have tried, someone tells you they do know, then, then let me tell you that they're 
They're lying. They're lying. And all the charts and all the workings out are, are, are quite honestly, quite fruitless. Because we, we can't work it out. Why am I so confident in saying that? Well, listen not to just what I say. Listen to what Jesus says. The same Jesus speaking about his return in Mark 13 and verse 33 says this. No one knows about that day or hour. Not even the angels in heaven. Nor the Son. Only the Father. So let me respectably and, and reverently say that if Jesus doesn't even know, how can anyone else dare say they know? Yes, we are given certain signs, uh, especially Matthew 24, but all of these signs are in order to primarily warn us to be ready, to encourage us to serve and not to speculate. The, the, the unexpectedness of it cannot be underplayed. See what Paul says? Like a thief in the night. If, um, if your house is going to get broken into or, or in danger of so, then you take precautions. You, you, you fit a burglar alarm. You, you stay in. You get ready to prevent it. Jesus himself used this illustration in Luke 12, verse 39, and he goes on to say this, you must also be ready. You see, burglars don't send you advance warning. They just come. Paul also speaks of as labour pains. Now, obviously, as a guy, I, I don't know what that is like. Um, but having been with my wife three times in the labour suite, let me just say, rather her than me. And, and, and the pains as the birth approaches intensify. And, and, and there is no way back. The, the baby is coming and that's that. And Paul uses these two illustrations to show us the unexpectedness of Jesus' return. John Stott, as he so often does, puts it rather well when he says this. Putting these two metaphors together, Christ's coming will be sudden and unexpected like a burglar and sudden and unavoidable like labour. In the first case, there will be no warning and in the second, no escape. Interestingly, Paul also speaks of it being at a time when people are saying peace and safety. Then we're told destruction will come. Friends, these are serious matters. These are heavy matters. And so in the light of this unexpectedness, how are we to prepare? How are we to live pleasing God? Well, secondly, Paul tells us, and he speaks of preparation. So if it's going to be unexpected, then let us see what preparation we need to put in place. If we are living to please God, as Paul has previously outlined and instructing us so to do, then for the believer, 
the day of the Lord, the return of Jesus, although unexpected in its timing, should not surprise us. We should be looking out for it. And Paul again uses imagery when he speaks of those in darkness and those in light, those of the day and those of the night. You see, throughout the Bible, these images are used to, to speak of those who believe and those who don't. Light and day refer to believers. Night and darkness to unbelievers. And, and, and friends, the truth is we are all either one or the other. There is no middle ground in relation to our standing before God. We, we are either for God or we are against him. We are either walking in light or in darkness. We either belong to the day or to the night. And Paul in these verses is speaking directly to believers. He is exhorting them to live as God would have them. And to show them that there is, there must be a difference between how they live and how those who do not believe live. Believers are not to be asleep. Nor are we to be, as it were, sleepwalking our way to heaven. We're to be awake. I wonder how much of the current COVID situation is a wake-up call to believers. Many just, as it were, sleepwalking. Then suddenly, so much of what we treasure, so much of what maybe we had taken for granted, not, not there anymore. <clears throat> Six months without properly congregating together. Six months without singing and praying and, and communing together. People living in fear, wondering and, and worrying. Maybe God is speaking primarily to his people to wake up. Revival begins with the people of God. And Paul speaks of, as I said here, two groups. One group, drunk and asleep, of oblivious to what is going on and, and that is the vast majority of our world today the other those who believe are to be awake and to be alert I don't know but is this a call for you this morning to wake up to realise what really matters and above all to prepare for this great day of the Lord. As the line of the hymn says. From lethargy. Awake us. Paul doesn't mess about here. Time is important. Life is short. Eternity is long. And if you want to be prepared. Then see what he says in verse 8. Since we belong to the day. Let us be self-controlled, putting on faith and love as a breastplate and the hope of salvation as a helmet. Paul uses here, again, imagery 
This time he's using the imagery of a soldier, something that, that he does elsewhere in his letters, most notably Ephesians 6, where, where you'll know he speaks about us wearing the whole armour of God. And, and, and the first thing that he does is he mentions self-control. He has already spoken about the need to watch. Now, the need for self-control. Two characteristics that are important for any soldier. They're self-explanatory, are they not? A soldier who, who does not watch, a soldier who does not show self-control is, is, is no use. He's a danger to himself and to others around him. Paul speaks of the breastplate and the helmet, two pieces of protection that guarded the heart and the mind. The breastplate generally covered from the kind of neck down to the waist, both front and back, and the helmet covers the head. How are you guarding your heart and your mind? They are the two most vulnerable places that Satan would seek to attack us. How we feel, how we think, our thoughts, our emotions. Paul says, guard them. And then Paul brings in that little triad of faith, love and hope, which he has already spoken of in chapter 1, verse 3. And here he emphasises the hope of salvation. And, and we'll come on to that just in a moment or two. But friends, as the return of the Lord Jesus gets nearer, <coughs> and although we, nor no one knows, as we've seen, when it will take place, there is no denying that it is nearer today than when Paul first wrote this letter. So in the light of that, how prepared are you? How awake are you? How alert are you? And as we've mentioned many times before, the only way to prepare is to turn from the darkness and the death of sin to the light and the life that is found in Jesus and Jesus alone. Have you done that? Has there been a time in your life when you confessed your sin and openly declared Jesus as Saviour and as Lord. If you have, and it is my prayer that all listening to this have, or even this morning will, then you will be prepared for what Paul speaks of regarding the return of the Lord Jesus. And that will herald in, as verses 9 and 11 shows, salvation. The unexpectedness of it, the need for the preparation for it, and now we see the salvation that it will bring. You know, there is no greater a theme in Scripture than that of salvation. The glorious truth that by turning to Jesus 
and following him, you can know life in all its fullness. You can know sins forgiven. You can know peace with God and you can have an assurance of life eternal with all the blessings that that has in store. And in verse 9, Paul is reminding them, Paul is encouraging them that God did not appoint them to wrath, but to salvation. And that salvation is purchased through our Lord Jesus Christ. It is a point that he has already made back in chapter 1 and verse 10. And we can see from verse 9 that our salvation is, as he says, an appointment from God. We did not choose God. God in his grace, God in his mercy, God in his love chose us appointed us a point Paul already made in chapter 1 verse 4 where, where he writes he that is God chose you oh what a wonderful thought our salvation friends is on secure foundation because it does not rest with us it is not dependent on us but on God and what Jesus Christ has done for us Salvation is through Jesus who died for us. More than that, rose from the dead so that one day all who trust, all who believe may live together with him for eternity. It's not what we have done but who Jesus is. It's not who we are but what Jesus has done. No wonder the hymn writer uh, refrains at the end of each of the verses, Hallelujah, Hallelujah. What a saviour. And in verse 10, in referring to whether we are awake or asleep, Paul is referring back, I think, to, to verses 13 to 15 of chapter 4. And he is making the point that, as we saw last week, that at the perusa, at the return of Jesus, whether we're awake or whether we're asleep, we will all be together. And then we will know the fullness of, of this wonderful salvation that can be ours. What a hope is ours. And when the Bible speaks of hope, as you well know, it's not as we do in that I hope for this or I hope for that, but the kind of longer time goes on without anything happening, the hope fades. No, not at all. Not for the Christian. Our hope is sure. Our hope is certain. And one day our salvation will be fully revealed. Ah, you might say, don't we know it now? Of course we do. But in regards to our salvation, uh, there is something of the, the past, the present, and the future. What do I mean by that? Well, when we first trust, when we first trust, we have been saved from the guilt and the penalty of sin. Today, we are being saved from the power and the pollution of sin. And then one day, oh, one day, we will be saved from the very presence of sin when Christ, our hope, appears. I pray with all my heart that you are able to grasp the wonder of this salvation. And if you are a believer, then this morning, you have been encouraged to keep living for God in the sure knowledge that one day, whenever that day may be,
you will be with him forever. So encourage and build one another up. And if you're listening in this morning, and as yet you do not know this wonderful salvation, then I urge you even this morning, call out in repentance and faith, and you also can know it as a reality. Time and again in these verses, Paul centers his thoughts on the death, the resurrection, and the coming again of Jesus. And he does so not to sow confusion, not to arouse speculation, but to call us to commitment and service and to encourage us to go on living for God. Lord, we thank you that you not only died for us, but rose again. Lord, we thank you that you defeated death and the grave and life in all its fullness is found in you. Thank you, Lord Jesus, that one day you will come again and then we and all who believe will be forever with you. What a hope. What a future. What a saviour. Amen. Our closing hymn reminds us that Christ is our hope in both life and death. And now, may the God of peace, who through the blood of the eternal covenant brought back from the dead our Lord Jesus, that great shepherd of the sheep, equip you with everything good for doing his will, and may he work in us what is pleasing to him, through Jesus Christ, to whom be glory forever and forever. Amen. Well, thank you once again for listening in this morning. If you would like to know more about what it means to know this wonderful salvation, then do please contact us. Details will appear on the screen. But once again, thank you uh, for listening in and may God richly bless you.